Okay, so let's start with the, uh, the second chapter now. And immediately the, the Mittler Rebbe asks this dynamic question, which is, the obvious question here is, how in the world can we say such a thing? How could we say that Moshe Rabbeinu was an Anna of Mikol Adam, meaning even from a Goy, even from a person who is serving idols? In other words, we're talking about here maybe the greatest person that ever lived in the history of existence. Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what we're talking about here, right? So how could you possibly say that? that he was thinking about himself as being on a lower level than people that we would rightfully consider people that are like not necessarily doing the right things and, and spending their lives in the right way. So he says like this, So the concept is as follows. So the question comes out, the person has to ask himself, what is his greatest quality? In other words, a person, every person thinks to himself, he says to himself, look, I have certain qualities that are more positive and certain qualities that are less positive. But everyone has great qualities to them. That goes without saying. The question is, what is my greatest quality? Nutal, what is your greatest quality? None. What? No good qualities. That's not true. <laughs> That's my line. That's not true for you too. What? No, Yosef, what's your greatest quality? Huh? I'm incredibly humble. Incredibly humble. No, no, no. Yonatan. Uh, I believe in the unity of Hashem. Ah. Okay. Do you? You plagiarized that. New Yoshua. If you're in the class, you have to be part of the class. That's it. It's finished. Uh, I'm a yid. Okay. So, usually when I ask this question, it's obviously a trick question. And the truth is that we all have incredible qualities to ourselves. Some of us are... What? Tough crowd today. Tough crowd today. You know, that's the way it goes around here. Right? Sometimes, you know, some of us are, you know, highly intelligent. Some of us are very funny. Some of us are very warm people. We care about other people in such a tremendous way. Some of us have a mixture of different qualities. Some of us run very fast, state championships, right? Some of us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as we noted here, all of these qualities obviously are qualities that are involved in Eilam Hazeh, in this world, involved in the creation. And they're great qualities, a highly intelligent person, such a person that's so kind and so, so much compassion for other people. <laughs> These are beautiful, beautiful qualities. However, what we have to say is that the greatest quality that each one of us has is that we have a nefesh alukis. A nefesh alukis, right, is something that's beyond creation. Right? It's part of the creator. And as such, that is for sure the greatest quality that each one of us has, without any doubt. So, if you realize that that is the greatest quality that I have, and then you start to think to myself, okay, like, how did I get that quality? Is it because I ran an extra 20 miles during practice? Is it because I studied, you know, for the SATs that much harder? Is it because I went to this top school? Is it because, right, I'm just naturally, I'm just a sweet person? No. Obviously, 
we know that that quality is something that was given to us as an inheritance. It has nothing to do with anything that we've accomplished, or not accomplished for that matter. It has nothing to do with anything that I studied. It has nothing to do with anything that I've learned. It has nothing to do with who I've met or who I haven't met. It has nothing to do with any of that except for one point. I inherited this quality. That is my greatest attribute of being alive in this world right now. The point is as follows. When a person meditates, he contemplates in his soul. The fact that he believes in the Eibishter. And he's holding on to him. And he's connected to him with thick ropes of this unbelievable love because that's what the Nefesh Elokis is about. This is not from him. This is not coming from me. Right? This is not me. I didn't accomplish this. I didn't realize this. I didn't learn about this. This is a gift. I didn't get to it because of my avoida. I didn't get to it because of my intellectual grasping of the concept. That I all of a sudden was able to reach up to understanding and to recognize my creator, that I did it by myself. This is a Yerusha from our forefathers, which ties in beautifully to what we were learning before in chapter Yud Ches of Tanya. Namely, that what happened? Avram Avinu, my great great Zayde, my great great grandfather, he believed in Eibushter. Like we said in the beginning of Parak Yud Ches there, right? Hein hein Merkava, that the Avos are Merkava. Yeah? That it says that he went and he searched and he found the Creator. And he went and he traveled and he grew in his understanding of Hashem. And he went from level to level. And what happened? He bequeathed this particular power, he bequeathed this particular attribute to all the Jewish people. Just like, for example, a physical Yerusha, physical inheritance. That a person, right, a father, a person, an individual, that he bequeaths to his son his riches, his rechush, his property, Right, tremendous amounts of it. The son does not even have any idea where in the world this money is coming from. He never worked hard in it a minute in his life. Right, like we see so often that you see a father who, right, literally came off the boats, per se. Right nowadays, you don't see it as much because we're like already a generation removed. But when I was growing up, I certainly saw it. Right, that they made it here after the Holocaust. They made it here after Europe. I'm talking about you know Jewish people in particular, and they worked their bottoms off. They worked so hard. They worked eight days a week, thirty hours a day, right? And they just worked and worked and worked and worked, and they amassed a huge, right, a huge amount of. Success, mitzad begashmias, money, mitzad, right? That's the bottom line. And then their son falls into the world. He starts driving around a Ferrari, and he's beeping his horn at everyone. And he's walking around with his uh, fancy Armani suit, right? And 
And that's him. And he's like, you know, hey, he could be that he's a very arrogant person. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. That's him, right? And that's, that is, I mean, I mean, I can't tell you how many of my friends were like this, right? That this is the way we, you know, a lot of us grew up. That we saw, I saw this all the time with people, right? But he, the kid, the kid has no idea what it means to make a dollar. Never worked a day in his life. Has no idea of the value of what a dollar is at all. No value, no idea. Right, he's just taking and he's taking from what has already been set up for him. Right, excuse me. That he just is all set up from what his father gives him. He gives him a huge allowance. He buys him a Mercedes-Benz convertible for his... You know, for his, uh, when he turns 17, when he gets his license and puts a big bow on it or whatever, right? I mean, this is the guy. I mean, how many people do we know like that? So many, right? That's it. However, we see that this Yerusha specifically goes to the sun. It doesn't go to some other random person in the street. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> because like it says, right, that the son is like the leg of the father. The son is like the leg of the father. So he's one with the father. But he is like the father in that way that he is, right, he is just receiving. He's not actively doing anything. Yeah? That's the way it is. Right? <laughs> Right? And the, the Yerusha of the father is only going to end up by the son. Okay, so that's him. That's what he does. It's understandable. Now, when a person thinks about it, if you really think about it for a second, this kid who was born with the Mercedes Benz in his crib, right? Like you see that what? How should he be feeling? What should he be thinking about? The arrogance, the feeling of I deserve it. It's mine because, you know, look how great I am. I was born with this, right? Obviously, we see that that's not the way it should be. He doesn't know what it means. The father, the father worked very hard. The father worked his bottom off. The father worked so hard. He was never taking a break. Why? Because he wanted to amass this wealth and he worked and worked and worked. The kid, the kid doesn't know anything. What does the kid know? The kid has no, no involvement. Do you want a mimer? The mimers are over here. Right? The kid has no involvement whatsoever. Yeah? That's the way it is. So what do we do with this? So he says like this, So that's the way it is with regards to our inheritance from our fathers. So this is what we have to understand. Right? That what happened, that regardless of who you are, regardless of who I am, if we're a Jew, and even a person who converts to Judaism, we say that he had a Jewish neshama in him all along. So he says like this, that what did we get? We got this from our fathers, from our grandfathers. And that is this idea of what? Dveikis ba'ava b'yira, the Knesset Yisrael. Ba'afa pisha'ena mekirim mesigim etzad atzmam. Oi. You could say, I don't really get it. I don't really see it. Like we learn in chapter 18. Right? Kikar v'lecha davar ma'ayid. 
right? And we asked the question, Alter Rebbe asked the question, right? Today's Chavdalah Tevis. Alter Rebbe asked the question, it's not Ma'id. It ain't Ma'id with me, I'll tell you that much, right? That's what we can say. What does it mean, Ma'id? It means it's so simple to like just feel this love and fear of God. Ah, oh, I don't feel it. It's not Ma'id. It says, yes, it is Ma'id. Why? Because I have a nuclear power plant inside of me. I have a godly soul inside of me, and therefore it is ma'id. I just have to learn how to play the game. I have to learn how to tap into it. That's true. But every single Jew, no matter who he is, and he could be the Russia of all Rashaim, doesn't matter. He has as much of a godly soul as the greatest tzaddik. That's the way it is. That's the way it works. Yeah? So he says, Because the bottom line, they are still the leg of the father. And therefore, we could say that the amuna, namely this feeling, this godly soul, is only found by the Jewish people and not by another nation. So now, based on this, that's why Knesset Yisrael is known as Amuna, which is the idea from the language when we talk about Hadassah. Who's Hadassah, by the way? Who is Hadassah? Esther, right? Esther Amalka, right? It says, Uman has Hadassah, that Mordechai raised his niece Hadassah, right? So the idea here is also it's something that needs to. Like, it's, it's something that needs to be brought out. It's something that he's doing. Or like, for instance, the idea of, of a mother, right, is nursing, right, the child, the baby, right? The idea of emuna. Emuna, right, if you ever went to the Israeli army, I said basic training, umanut or something like that, right? Umanut. What's the idea of basic training? Something like that, right? The idea is you have to get used to it. Something to get used to doing. An uman, an uman is an artisan. What's an artisan? I also like to paint, but I'm not an artisan, right? An artisan is someone that is doing it again and again and again and again. Habit. Person who gets up to the free throw line and he shoots again and 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 again, thousands of times. Then he becomes proficient at free throws. Person that just gets up there, you know, two times in the game, you know, he got fouled and he's going to miss. But if you shoot a thousand times a day, you're going to get the muscle, whatever it's called, and you're going to get into it, right? There was a Jewish guy, right? There was a basketball player, a Jewish guy that was excellent at, at free throws. I remember hearing that from, he played for Phoenix. I can't remember. This is going back 25 years. You don't remember him? He was a Jewish guy. Yeah, Steve Nash. He's Jewish, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I know that guy. So, but the, what's, what's the Nakuda? The Nakuda is that, that you have to just keep on shooting again and again and again and again. Well, you know what an interesting thing I saw recently? Very fascinating. They did a study. This, this just should blow you know, each one of our minds. They did a study and they took three groups of, I guess, proficient basketball players, either college basketball players or whoever it was. I don't think it was from the NBA. But they took one group and they didn't do any practice. Every day, you know, for like a half hour, nothing. The other group, I think they took, and they did every day 30, uh, 30 minutes of practice or something. I can't remember the exact minutes, you know, so forgive me on that one. And the other group, they spent the same amount of time, but just imagining it in their minds, visualizing it. The group that did nothing, obviously their free throw percentage did nothing, you know, went down, whatever, it didn't do anything. The group that practiced every day, it went up by 30%. And the group that 
visualize it in their mind, they went up by 29.5%. That's a blow your mind concept. I'll let you, that's not having to do with our mimer, but it's something that's really fascinating. Just shows you, like, the power of the mind, the power of the soul, the power of the, right? So the same thing here, the idea of emuna. Emuna, the Alter Rebbe explains, right? We have to mention Alter Rebbe a lot of times today, Chavdala Tevis. In chapter 42 of Tanya, at the end of chapter 42 of Tanya, right? He says, right, it's, he gives us a very clear way of how to develop yira in ourselves, right? And at the end of that, he says, it's something that you have to practice. And he uses the word emuna, and it, uman, the idea of it's, if you practice it again and again and again and again. And the exact uh, meditation that he talks about over there is like when you see things in the world, how to get it to trigger that you're thinking about God. Regardless of what you see, you see a tree, you think about God. You see the sky, you think about God. You see a chair, you think about God. You see a person, you think about God. Right? And it's a whole meditation over there. I recommend that you take a look at it. It's the last page of pe- chapter 42. I think we actually learned it earlier this year, but maybe, maybe before you guys were here. Anyway, so, but at the end of the thing that he says there is that you have to just practice it. If you practice it again and again and again and again and again, you rework the wiring in your brain and it becomes like muscle habit. You know, that, that's basically what you want to get it into. So that's what winds up happening. So that's what he's saying here. Like a baby that's constantly going after his mother. Because you got the baby accustomed. And to have that the child will constantly be going after her in order to nurse, in order to, you know, to develop. So he says, In the same way, that's how the Yidden have to be drawn after Hashem, but emuna b'dveikus, with an emuna, yeah, and a dveikus. Mitzad ha'avos shenikrayim uman, who develops it? The avos, avos with the uman. Vehem hikiru mitzad atzmam. They recognize it. Sev ach lebenehim hemshichu achar zeh kasher yagya. But our, us, our children, we have to get used to it. We have to do it again and again and again. Get these meditations in our mind. And then, the more we do it, the more it becomes like second nature to us. And that's how you're able to raise, so to speak. means that you trained, you trained this baby, you trained this child, you trained this, right? Same thing with ourselves. We have to train ourselves into it again and again and again. And that story of the free throws is so amazing because it just shows you that even with a physical thing, you could do it with your mind. You can do it with your mind by meditating again and again and again and again and thinking about it again and again. It becomes like second nature. That's what it means that Mordechai trained, he raised Hadassah, he raised Esther. Now, based on this, Okay, so we have basically two issues that will make us feel <coughs> greater than someone else. Mitzad, our, let's talk about Yiddishkeit for right now. Number one, I'm a Jew and this other person over here is a guy. So I'm better than him. So seemingly that's the way we should look at things, right? Clearly that's the opposite of what the Mitzad Rebbe is going towards right now, right? <clears throat> the fact that I'm a Jew and this other person is not a Jew is completely not my doing. And therefore, since it's not my doing, how can I be looking down on someone else? This is the first aspect that we want to bring out. So the fact that a Jew thinks of himself as being better than a non-Jew 
is a total misnomer. It's totally ridiculous, and it's totally and the fact that he looks at himself as being like that I am better and therefore I deserve more because of it is you know it's totally ridiculous. What you can say is that I feel very lucky that I was born with this godly soul. I feel very you know privileged in that manner that I feel very grateful. I think is the key word that we're looking for here. And therefore, gratefulness, right, really is growing humility. It's the opposite of what we're of, of being feeling better than the other person. So that's one point that we have to bring out. The second point that we have to bring out is a person might feel himself to be better uh, than a person who's not religious because he's religious now. I keep Shabbos and I keep kosher and I learn Torah. And this other guy, he doesn't do that. And that's where he goes really off. Uh, which we're not going to get to in Mir Hashem until tomorrow's class, but that's where he really goes to town and explains amazing things about how actually the soul has a has a spiritual force field around it, which is causing him, enabling him to remain from. And God could at any moment take away that spiritual force field, and if he does so, he will become fry. He will become non-religious. So it's really Hashem who is keeping us this way. And he brings three examples from the Gemara about Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir, right? That he brings examples of the greatest Jews that ever lived in the last 2,000 years, how they went running to do Averas as soon as the force field was taken away. So imagine me, right? So the only reason why I have the privilege to be from is because Hashem is enabling it to happen. Hashem has given me that gift. So once again, we're pointing towards being grateful and stopping the, the uh, point of view of me looking at myself as being the, you know, the cause of this you know, superiority, so to speak. So therefore, the, the Mittler Rebbe here is like basically pushing us in a certain direction. He's channeling us to a certain, on a certain derech to start reframing the way we look at the world. And by reframing the way we're going to look at the world, that's also he's going to bring in, in, in uh, what you call today's Tuesday, so in Thursday's class, he's going to bring in the Kabbalistic understanding of how that works in terms of happiness and depression because it's very, very uh, much tied in. That's, that's really what, where we're getting to. But let's, let's finish this paragraph and explain the first point first. But I just wanted to give you like the direction of where he's going with this. So therefore, the Yidden cannot like lift themselves up so much on this Mila. Because at the end of the day, it's not coming from me. That's the bottom line. It's not me. I'm not the one that did this. The only thing is that we make a bracha in, in the morning brachas. That, thank God that it did not make me into a non-Jew. But this is only because of my inheritance. It's not because of anything that I did. But if it was me, myself, <clears throat> this is where he starts alluding to this point. I would completely fall from my, uh, my avoida and my emuna. It would not be shaykh. I would not be able to do this. Because what I recognize, what I am grasping by myself, because what I have in my own mind, right, there is a contradiction to it. Right? He says, there's a little footnote on the bottom, 
it says Kolomar Afshi Yisachin Sheyesh Lo Hasag of Adam Elokus that even though you may have this grasp of and understanding a little bit about Elokus about God, Ain Zu Hasag Amuka Beisanu Etanu. In other words, but it's not really a tremendous depth. As much as I understand about Hashem, it's like I I don't really get it. Like you know, like a scientist might understand a molecule, right, or so whatever a scientist understands, right. In other words. Like, I get it, but I don't get it. It's not, but itan, itan from the word etan, strong, like powerful. Namely, it's just a swara, something that I got. It's like something that's there. It's not so, it's not so deeply embedded in my brain that I can't fall away from it. And even the fact that maybe I'm serving in a way of ava and yira, a person is able to fall very, very quickly, little by little. He doesn't even realize that he's falling. That's what happens to most of us, right? That we start to do one thing wrong, and then that leads to a second thing, a third thing, a fourth thing, a fifth thing, and by the tenth thing, you're already way in a different place than where you started off. And that's what happens to us. Like it says in the Gemara and Sukkah, that the Yetzir Hara of a person wins out over him. That's the bottom line. Because unless Hashem was sitting there helping us, we would not be able to do it at all. The Yitzhahara would win. That's the bottom line. So, with that in mind, now I see it's, not, it's really not me. It's mamish not me. The Yitzhahara will beat me every time if it wasn't for Hashem coming along and helping me to change my whole direction. So therefore, if that's the case, all the things that I guard myself from doing anything evil, like all the bad taivas and anything like that, even this is not coming from me. Of course, I put an attempt in there, but it's really Hashem. Hashem is helping me. <clears throat> so therefore, I could truly be, truly, truly be more humble than any other person in the whole face of the earth. Because there's really nothing that I have over anyone else. That's the bottom line. Even from a non-Jew. Just that I make the bracha, that thank God Hashem made me not into a guy. Only because of the Yerusha that I have. But besides for the Yerusha that I have, why am I any better than him? Nothing. No better. Right? I happen to be born this way. I, Baruch Hashem, have a Yerusha from my forefathers. So what he's done here is he's sort of taken off the map this whole idea of I am better than you, or I am better than him, or I am better than anyone. It's not Shaykh. It's Bechlal not Shaykh. Because even the things that we think that we're accomplishing are not really from us. You got it? That's where he's going with this. And that, I mean, he's going to develop it a lot more. But basically, he, where he's going with this whole story is also starting to change our own identities. Which is going to help us with the simcha and depression. Right? In other words, let's say that I, I am thinking, I'm categorizing myself as a teacher pretty good category, right? I do teach, right? But if I look at myself as being, that is my quality. I am a teacher. So now someone comes along and he says, you know, I went to your class. It was, you know, 
Could have been could have been better. Let's put it. Let's just let's just leave it at that. All right. So what is he doing? With that, with those words, he's not. He's he's smashing the whole me. Because I've identified myself as being this teacher or this rabbi or this father or this brother or this son or whatever it is that we identify ourselves with which are labels that are not appropriate. As opposed to what he's saying, how should we be identifying ourselves? If I identify myself as I am this godly soul, that's what I am. I happen to teach. That's what I do. I happen to shoot baskets. That's what I do. I happen to be a father. That's what I do. Now, someone comes along and says to me, you know, that class that you gave, it was, mm, could have been, been a lot better. So, is he smashing me? Or is he smashing what I've done? If he's smashing what I've done, so then what I want to know is, okay, how could it have been better? Because I'm not personally, like, enmeshed in my job. I'm personally enmeshed in being a godly soul. And that no one can take away from me. No one can say anything about that. Not in the history of, of man. It's, it's not going to happen. You can't take that away from anyone. That's the only thing you can't take away. You cannot take that away. So therefore, he's not attacking me. He is maybe attacking something, work that I've done. But if I'm a true person, then I want to know how to do that work better. If I'm not shooting baskets right, then I need to learn how to shoot it better if I want to play in the NBA. So I could handle it in one of two ways. I could either say, you know, like, I can't believe that you said that about my shot. That's ridiculous. You don't know. Or I could be like, yeah, I want to make it to the top. So therefore, tell me how, well, if you will twist your fingers this way, whatever. It's a totally different point of view of where you are holding in your own psyche. And therefore, the way people like advance towards you and the way people interact with you becomes completely different. You're not going to take things on such a ridiculously personal level as we have all been accustomed to do since we were babies, I guess. Or I don't know, as far as I can remember at least. Right? So this is all starting to tie in now into this idea of who is the true me. And once I understand who is the true me, then I could then understand also how to really be besimcha, how to stay away obviously from depression, if it be simcha, how to change my whole way of communicating with the world around me, and also how I view myself in, from my personal point of view and view myself in correspondence or in relationship to all the things around me in this world. So little by little, he's starting to like mold us with this mimer. Okay, so we'll stop here. Please do Chazara on this chapter. Each of these chapters are mamish diamonds. Mamish, mamish diamonds are like unbelievable. So please make sure that you go over it again and again and again. And you do your four times and you do your cyclical Chazara. Mitzah Hashem. All right.